week seven of our series through the book of James. And as you would have gathered by now, James is primarily concerned with this practical outworking of people's faith. He's all about action. And he's really been pushing his Jesus followers not just to hear God's word, but to do what it says. And the impression that I get from this is that James is really passionate about building healthy communities. He's really passionate about people having fruitful lives. And time and time again, we've seen that history has shown us that strong, healthy and fruitful communities are built on people living out their faith in Jesus. You know, doing this, these practical things is what James is all about. And so it might not surprise you then that James would, in the verses that we're about to read, start talking about wisdom. Because wisdom is this practical outworking, this practical application of your knowledge. That's what wisdom is all about. It's taking what, you've, what you know, what you've read, what you've learned, and applying it to your day-to-day life. But if you've ever read Proverbs or, or really any of the books of wisdom in the Bible, you'll know that from a biblical perspective at least, there's a bit more to wisdom than just this practical application of your knowledge. The Bible says, yes, that we should apply our knowledge, but attached to that is a purpose. And the purpose attached to it is that it is for a fulfilling and fruitful life. It acknowledges that life is complex. And at times it's just hard to understand. But the person who is truly wise has found a way to navigate all of life's challenges. They've found this stability. And from that place of stability, their life produces fruit and it is fulfilling. And so the wise person, I think, is, is that person who has developed those decision-making skills, I guess you could say, that lead to this fruitful and fulfilling life. And as I was reading through these verses on wisdom, I couldn't help but think, you know, we don't hear that word very often, wisdom. We don't often talk about people as being wise or not wise. So often we talk about people by an array of other qualities. We say things like, oh, this person's really intelligent. They're so smart. Or this person's so beautiful. This person is so successful. They have everything. But when was the last time you heard of someone who was just wise. That was their defining quality. They were just a wise person. And I don't think we hear about it very often because our culture doesn't value it very highly. And so our culture tends to place a high value on things like status, knowledge, wealth, beauty, things that I think are often associated with power or influence. Those are the things that people tend to seek after. But In contrast to those things, James and the people that he's writing to, they sought after wisdom and they prized it more than all those other things. And it made me think, do we see the value in it? As we read these verses in James 3, I think this is a great time to evaluate our lives and ask, is this what I seek after? Do I seek after wisdom? And so I'm going to be reading through James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. And James begins begins talking about wisdom in verse 13 here. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done 
in the humility that comes from wisdom. So James is saying here that wisdom isn't just about having head knowledge. This is way more than just about your education or your intellect. He says, those who are wise among you should be able to show it by their good life and deeds done. And so wisdom has as much to do with action as it does knowledge. And by this stage, you're probably not surprised to hear James talk about doing deeds and taking action. It's really the core of James's letter. But what strikes me here is that along with a good life and doing deeds, James starts to mention behaviour. He says that we should live a good life and do good deeds in the humility that comes from wisdom. He's saying, if you're wise, and I should be able to see it by the good things that you do and by your behaviour, your general conduct, which will include humility. Your life will not only have good things in it, but it will be accompanied by humility. There will be this meekness or a gentleness about that person and a distinct lack of pride and arrogance. And so often I think we just want to follow someone just because of their status or because of their knowledge, their wealth, their beauty. They might have a PhD. There's a, a doctor in front of their name. And so we know that person is full of knowledge. Or maybe they're a, a CEO or a celebrity. And so we know they're successful. We know that they're probably very wealthy people. And James is saying those things don't necessarily make you wise. He says instead, look at their life. This is about their lifestyle. Look at the fruit of their life. Have their actions led to that good fruit? And then also look at their behaviour. Are they a person characterised by humility? Wisdom then, it's not something that we're merely going to possess in our head. This is not just head knowledge. If I'm wise at all, then it's something that I'll demonstrate in my conduct. True wisdom, wisdom that leads to this fruitful and fulfilling life, is characterised by humility. He then goes on to say this in verses 14 to 16. But if you harbour bitter envy or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So it would appear from these verses that James's audience considered themselves to be wise, and they boasted about it. They liked to be well respected, but when they found that there were other people getting more respect than them, this bitter envy is rising up inside of them. You know, and they would use anything they could to pull that other person down, even if it meant denying the truth. You know, lying to make themselves look good, essentially. And in this context, James explains that there are two different kinds of wisdom. There is an earthly wisdom, and there is a wisdom that comes down from heaven. In other words, there's a human wisdom and a wisdom that comes from God. And he says the way that you can tell the difference between the two is that earthly wisdom is characterised by this bitter envy and selfish ambition. Yeah, think about those words, bitter envy. 
wishing desperately that you had what somebody else had. Selfish ambition. Wanting to make a name for yourself. And both of those words are really about glorifying yourself. You know, they mean that, that you want the attention. It's all about me. Earthly wisdom asks, how can I glorify myself? And James says, if you are envious or if, or if there is this selfish ambition in your heart, then the outworking of that is going to be that you're going to boast about the things that you've done. You're going to twist the truth to make yourself look good. And he says here that actually boasting that you're wise is proof that you have this earthly wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself look wise is proof that you have this earthly wisdom. Those things, they're so far from God's wisdom. He says they're earthly. They're coming from this limited perspective of people. He says they're unspiritual. They're devoid of any sort of supernatural intervention. There's no Holy Spirit involved in this kind of wisdom. He says they can even be demonic. And it's interesting to consider here that you can have wisdom without God. You can apply your knowledge without God and be very successful. And actually we see lots of examples of that. People using their knowledge to become rich, to gain status, to gain power, influence. But the issue James highlights here is with where that wisdom leads you. He says in the end, it leads to disorder and then every evil practice. But our God is not a God of disorder. And so in contrast to this earthly wisdom is a wisdom that comes from heaven. So in verses 17 to 18, he says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Wisdom from heaven, God's wisdom, he's saying here, starts with a holy life. James says, you know what? If you want God's wisdom, then it starts with a pure life. There will be this holiness, this purity about the person who has God's wisdom. And then he lists the characteristics that go along with that pure and holy life. He says, peace-loving. You know, you're not going to be quick to start arguments, but you want so badly this peace that God wants among his people. Being peace-loving, I think, is essentially being able to get along with people. Does that define you? Consider it. Careful not to inconvenience or hurt other people. Submissive. There'll be this gentleness about you. Open to reason. You won't always insist on your own way. He says, full of mercy. Being willing to forgive an offence. You know, seeing the needs of others and caring for them. He says, good fruit. There will be good things coming out of this person's life. And I don't just mean material things like a nice house, a nice car. He's talking about good fruit in the sense of, you know, what has this person built in the community? Does this person value relationships with other people? Is there that kind of good fruit in their life? He says impartial. Being wise enough not to show partiality. You know, there's, there's this lack of favoritism in this person. And if you want to learn more about this, actually, in chapter 2, 
James talks about this in great detail, and Pastor Greg gave a great sermon on it. You should definitely look it up. He says, sincere, being genuine, not out to deceive other people, being like, look, this is who I really am. You know, here are my mistakes. Here is the truth about me, being that genuine and sincere kind of person. And he says, these are the qualities of a person who has wisdom from heaven, God's wisdom. And see, again, this kind of wisdom, it's not just about head knowledge. It's not even about being good at applying your knowledge. It also comes with behavior. It's also about your character. And then he finishes this section with this image of a peacemaker sowing peace. Because the result of this kind of wisdom is stability and order. Healthy, robust communities that live right with God are built on this type of wisdom. And they get to enjoy the results because they've done the hard work of getting along with each other. They've sown peace in their community. And so I can take James's few verses there and, and summarize them like this, because I think he's very cleverly contrasted two different types of wisdom. He's contrasting earthly wisdom and God's wisdom. And the first thing he says is, well, earthly wisdom asks, how can I glorify myself? While God's wisdom asks, how can I glorify God? How can I do God's will? How can I seek to serve other people? And he says the way you can tell the difference between that kind of mindset are these characteristics. Earthly wisdom is defined by this lack of humility. It's defined by envy and selfish ambition. And in contrast to that, God's wisdom is defined by humility. The person who has God's wisdom has this character about them that is sincere and genuine. There is good fruit coming out of this person's life. And then he says, ultimately, the result of that is that this earthly wisdom will end up in disorder. Whereas the person who has God's wisdom lives a life of peace. They seek a community that is peace-loving. And we can look at this and ask, what is it that makes God's wisdom result in this fulfilling life? Why is it that God's wisdom produces good fruit and so often earthly wisdom does not? Why is it that when people rely on their own wisdom to navigate life, they fail? And James, he doesn't explicitly mention it here, but by contrasting these two types of wisdom, James is highlighting something that I think he clearly knows very well, and it has to do with perspective. And when I think about my own perspective, I have to admit it's limited. In my experiences, they're limited to a particular time and place on earth. You know, my knowledge is a fraction of what is possible to know. And, my, and life is complicated. Life is often hard to understand, and I can never claim to have all of the answers. But God is across all of it. And when I think about God's perspective, I often think of something like this, which is why I chose the image. God is across everything that is happening in the universe. His perspective is so much bigger than ours, and not just in space, but also in time. God knows intimately what has happened in the past, what is happening now, and everything that will happen in the future. And when I consider this, I have to admit 
that my perspective by comparison is limited. And actually, I look at something like this and I think, I am a small, dependent creature, and all of my life, my energy, my knowledge, it comes from outside of myself. Ultimately, actually, it's, it's given to me by other people, and ultimately, it's given to me by God. And so, when I think about this, I have to ask, who gets to decide the boundaries between right and wrong? You know, in the biblical story, God does. You know, the Bible tells us that God accurately knows what is good and what is bad. God is the one who has the wisdom to decide because his perspective is infinitely greater than our own. You know, and people become wise by learning those boundaries and then treating people accordingly. The Bible tells us the person who has learnt to navigate all of life's challenges, this person whose life produces good fruit and is fulfilling, is the person who has relied on a perspective that is far greater than their own. They've relied on God's infinitely greater perspective of what's going on. That person knows their place before God in the universe and they live accordingly. Darn it, it's blank. It's, uh, <laughs> I was going to add another row to this slide here, which just said perspective and comparing that earthly wisdom to God's wisdom. Let's go back. So imagine there's another line down the bottom. This earthly wisdom results in disorder because it's built on a perspective that is limited, whereas God's wisdom results in peace, in good fruit, and is fulfilling life because it is built on a perspective that is infinitely greater than our own, a perspective that takes everything into account. And so this section of James's letter, to me, raises two important questions. And the first is, who do you let speak into your life? You know, who do you take advice from? Who do you let influence your decisions? Whose thoughts and opinions do you value? Because we have such a clear description here of what earthly wisdom looks like and what heavenly wisdom looks like. And we can look at that and ask, are the people I let speak into my life characterized by godly wisdom? Are they humble? Are they impartial? Is there this gentleness about them? Are they sincere people? Can I see good fruit in their life? Are they building these healthy relationships? Are they building a healthy community? Do they seek peace? And I often think that a good test is to take note of how you feel when you leave someone's presence. If you leave their presence and you consistently feel drained, hurt, discouraged or insecure, it might be an indication that there is selfish ambition and envy in that person's life. If you leave someone's presence and you feel depressed and angry, this might be an indication that there is disorder and evil practice in this person's life. And I'm not saying don't have these people in your life. God calls us to minister to all sorts of people. But what I am saying is don't take on board their advice. You know, don't take on board their opinions. If they display this kind of earthly wisdom, then just don't take it on board. Surround yourself instead with people who can speak truth into your life, who are considerate, sincere, and peace-loving people. Those are the people who want the best for you. 
and be wary of those who boldly claim that they are wiser than everyone else. Be wary of their impure motives. Think about the wisest person you know. Who is the wisest person you know? They probably don't have all the answers, right? But they are wise enough to go to God to get the answers. And that's the kind of person that you want to listen to. That's the kind of person who can speak truth into your life. And I think this church is actually so blessed with many wise people here. And if you are ever seeking wisdom, I'd recommend you go talk to pastors Greg and Margot and pastors Simon and Cindy. And so the question here is, do you listen to people who display godly wisdom? The second question that comes to mind is, do you yourself aspire to be wise? As James describes this kind of wisdom, this is a great time to evaluate our lives and ask, do I consider myself to be wise and understanding? Can I honestly say that I'm full of wisdom? Am I this person who has learnt to navigate all of life's challenges, whose life produces good fruit and is fulfilling? Now, to be completely honest, I don't feel like I'm there yet. You know, I don't feel like I'm this person who has learnt to navigate all of life's challenges perfectly, and many of you might feel the same. Yeah? But I think that that's okay as long as this is something you aspire to. Do you aspire to be wise? Because Proverbs says to seek it more than riches. It's so immensely valuable that it doesn't even compare to the greatest riches on earth. And if it results in this fulfilling life that produces good fruit, then I can see why. You know, those are things that riches can't buy. And so as we set out on this journey to become wise people, I think we first have to admit that our own perspectives are limited. And if we rely on our own perspectives, then we will end up in disorder. The other, on the other hand, God knows what's going on even when we can't begin to comprehend it. And from this position of humility, this is where we should ask God for wisdom. Yes. All right. So cast your minds back to the very first week of this study that we did in James. James 1.5 says this. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. The simple revelation here is that we can ask God for wisdom and it will be given to us. We can ask God for wisdom and it will be given to us. Actually, it makes me think of the story in 1 Kings 3, where God is speaking to King Solomon. And he says, you can have anything on earth, anything on the planet. What do you want? And King Solomon, he doesn't ask to be the smartest person. He doesn't ask to have all the riches. He doesn't ask for his enemies to be destroyed. He says, you know what? I need wisdom. And he comes before God with this deep sense of humility, he actually refers to himself as a little child. And he says, I don't know how to carry out my duties. This is a king saying, I don't know how to carry out my duties. I need wisdom. There is this humility about him as he comes before God. And God's like, great choice. That is the best thing you could have asked for. And so 
we need to do the same. We need to come before God and say, God, you know what? I realize that this is something that I haven't been pursuing. I've been seeking after riches. I've been seeking after fame, success, knowledge. But I see now that wisdom is something that you value, and I want to value it as well. Let's bow down before God and say, I believe you can give me wisdom. And your kind of wisdom leads to this fruitful and fulfilling life. I need it to navigate life in a way that honours you. And so let's do that now. Let's, let's pray together and ask for God's wisdom in our lives. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this time that we have together this morning. I thank you, God, that your perspective is infinitely greater than ours. As we come before you this morning, Lord, we come before you in humility, knowing that our perspectives are limited. Our earthly knowledge does not compare to your understanding, Lord. As we come before you in the sense of humility, we ask for your wisdom upon our lives. We ask you, Lord, knowing that you will grant us your godly, heavenly wisdom. We ask, Lord, that you would transform us with your wisdom into these people who are humble, people who have this gentleness and a sincerity about them, people who are full of mercy, who are peace-loving. Because we know, Lord, that that is true wisdom. And Lord, when we come up against these situations which are not black and white, things that are hard to understand, when we're navigating the complexities of life, we ask, Lord, that you would grant us your wisdom. You would help us to choose the right path, even if it's not the easy thing to do. Lord, we just ask for your wisdom whatever situation we're facing now that is difficult to understand, we ask for your godly, heavenly wisdom. And Lord, we pray that in the future, as we come up against these challenges, which we no doubt we'll have to face, that you would remind us to come before you humbly, to kneel before you, and ask again for your wisdom every time we need your insight. Thank you, Lord. In your mighty name, amen.